It's time for the SwampSwamiSports.com audio podcast. is coming soon. The sweet smell of financial success of major college football may quickly become its undoing. In case you haven't been paying much attention, there has been an incredible amount of money being poured into the most recent television deals covering America's largest college football conferences. College football has been on television for decades, but why has the pie been growing lately? The increasingly fractured television landscape, the traditional networks, the cable television operators, and now internet-based television providers like Amazon and Peacock, Saturday's college football games are now delivering the second largest weekly audiences on TV. Only the NFL delivers a larger weekly audience during football season in the fall. The four remaining college football powers, the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC, are able to deliver a weekly TV audience ranging anywhere from 3 to 10 million viewers every Saturday during the fall. And like the NFL, college football games attract a fairly young, mostly male buying demographic, which is coveted by certain advertisers. A variety of beverage makers like soft drinks and beer and other alcoholic beverages, automobiles, insurance providers, fast food restaurants, investment companies, jewelers, and others have started to flock to Saturdays on college football game days to reach their target market. With annual increases in viewership for Saturday's day-long slate of college football games, the competition for the rights to televise those games has become red-hot too. ESPN and ABC, Fox Sports, CBS, NBC, and others have dramatically upped their monetary offers to secure years of televised major conference college football games featuring the upper tier of teams. In recent years, these new television contracts have ballooned in value into the billions of dollars. Excellent. Well, who receives the money and who should get the money? At least for now, each major college conference receives the entire value of that television rights pie. (laughs) Conference members negotiate a formula to determine the payouts which go to each of the individual schools every year. The SEC schools' financial sharing arrangements may not be exactly the same as the Big 12 conference, but they're likely quite similar. Two years ago, the SEC's perpetual last-place finisher, Vanderbilt, pocketed that same $50 million share of the SEC's television treasure chest as the national football champion Georgia Bulldogs did. And Vandy loves the way the SEC currently carves up that TV money pie. However, some teams in another conference are in for a big financial diet coming this fall. The Atlantic Coast Conference paid its current members about $35 million per school in television money during recent years. However, as part of SMU's decision to join the ACC beginning this season, the Mustangs have agreed to receive a 0% portion of the ACC's television rights package for the next nine years. Two other new members of the ACC, which are former Pac-12 members Stanford and California, will receive just 30% of a traditional share from the conference TV pie being baked by ESPN. And by the way, the baker gets to determine which pies it wants to sell. And speaking of ESPN, this year's 12-1 Alabama team made it into the four-team college football playoffs ahead of 13-0 ACC champion Florida State. Yeah, let's boo that one. 
Despite all the lame excuses being put forward by the college football playoff selection committee, Bama was chosen for one reason. The Crimson Tide reliably delivers a larger television audience than the Seminole Nation would have been generating for ESPN. That cherry pie, Alabama, brings a lot more customers into the proverbial store than Florida State would. And yes, the baker, ESPN, owns the television rights to the college football playoffs. And naturally, they want to offer a product, Alabama, that was going to give them the best chance to attract the most customers. The higher television ratings for ESPN equal more revenue for ESPN as well. And did you know that ESPN must cover a $470 million annual price tag being paid to cover the two national semifinal games and the championship game every year? So that's why 12-1 Alabama got into the playoffs over 13-0 Florida State. And true to form, the semifinal game being played between Alabama and Michigan drew 27 million viewers for ESPN. That was the highest rated non-NFL event on the network in several years. It had 9 million more viewers than the 18 million who watched the second semifinal game between the University of Washington and Texas. With ESPN's very expensive TV deal, I guess we should have expected this to happen. The major college football conferences have sold their souls to the devil, television. <laughs> By the way, don't expect this to be any different this year when the new 12-team playoff starts in the fall. We've all now learned a very valuable lesson this year. Expect ESPN to continue to quietly pull the strings in making the final determination of both the participants and the playoff seating come this fall. Question, do the athletes currently receive any portion of that tasty television revenue pie? Well, that television pie being baked for each major football conference is being distributed currently to its member institutions as the conference members see fit. The athletic departments of these member schools will then utilize that big television payout to go help pay for many other sports on the college campus. Other than some basketball programs and a few baseball and gymnastics programs, the vast majority of college sports lose money for their school. That doesn't mean that women's volleyball or men's tennis teams are not important. It's just that their costs exceed the revenues being generated. Scholarship money used to provide the tuition, room, and board is quite substantial. Football and basketball players usually get scholarships covering up to 100% of their cost. Those participating in other sports on the campus are lucky if they can receive up to 50% of the cost covered. College football players are quite aware of the incredible amount of money being paid to the major college conferences to watch them play football on Saturdays in the fall. Though the recent name, image, and likeness, or NIL money, has become available to pay college student-athletes, the percentage of total dollars heading into that relatively new game is just a fraction of the money being generated by television revenues, and that's currently sent to the member institutions. But the players may not have to wait much longer. In the small Ivy League on the East Coast, the member schools there do not even provide any athletic scholarship money for their sports participants. The Ivy League's television deals are really small compared to most major conferences. But on Monday of this week, the National Labor Relations Board made a ruling in favor of the Dartmouth University men's basketball team. And according to the NLRB, the Hoopsters should be considered employees of the school and be paid for their time. Quote, 
because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by the Dartmouth men's basketball team and the players perform that work in exchange for compensation, I find that the petition to four basketball players are employees within the meaning of the National Labor Relations Act. Unquote. Of course, Dartmouth is going to appeal the decision. And the school released a statement immediately thereafter that claims that the athletics program at the school doesn't generate a profit to pay the players in the first place. Quote, Unlike other institutions where athletics generates millions of dollars in net revenue, the cost of Dartmouth's athletic programs far exceed any revenue from the program cost that Dartmouth bears as part of the participation in the Ivy League. We also do not compensate our athletes, nor do we provide athletic scholarships. All scholarships are based on financial need. Well, that precedent from this ruling should be sending some shivers up the financial spines at major college conferences and member schools. In most businesses, the cost of labor generally amounts to about 50% of the revenues that you are generating. Even in professional sports today, most of the leagues split the revenues with the players. The franchise owners and the players are snagging, yep, 50% of the cash generated by the business. With this fast-growing television revenue pie being paid for by ESPN and ABC, Fox Sports, CBS, and NBC to the major college conferences, the athletes are clamoring for a portion of that money. What happened to amateurism in college sports, you might ask? Old-school Swamp Swami here would love to believe that most student-athletes playing major college sports will take full advantage of the value of their college scholarships to assure some future employment once those playing days are over. But then again, we used to feel the same way about the Olympics, too. Basketball's dream team shattered that Olympic image, didn't it? Most athletes competing in today's Olympic Games receive money, whether directly or indirectly, to cover their training costs, living expenses, and participation in the highest-profile sports. It now appears that the future of college football and other televised sports is going to transition into some form of minor league professional franchise. If the players are deemed to be employees of the school or franchise, will they or should they be required to attend classes anymore? Should the value of those academic scholarships and room and board be considered part of player pay? This pie is very hot as it comes out of the oven, and the aroma of money is filling the room. Everyone is hungry and wants to get their piece of that tasty pie. So grab a fork. But remember to stay alert as this very hot pie is being brought to the kitchen table. A Three Stooges style pie fight is likely to break out very soon. I'm Swamp Swami.